Ooh, that looks tasty. Support for Boards and Brews comes from Sovereignty. Play board games in a 3D environment on any device. Play smarter. Welcome, folks. Day the Hungry Gamer is back with another episode of Boards and Brews. And this time, for the first time, we have a returning guest. And we have Mark Dainty from Not Board Gaming. Now, I got to be honest. I was planning to have Mark come back on at some point, but not this early. Unfortunately, the other guests I had lined up had things come up and they had to, to cancel. So Mark was kind enough to jump way up in the line. And today, well, we're going to talk about some grumpy old men stuff is what we're going to do. But before we do that, you're only going to get half the rapid fire questions, Mark, because there may be a few people that did not listen to that very what? first episode, which I can't blame. Why? The, well, the sound is horrible. Like, right, if you okay. That's, that sounds to you, though, yeah? Uh, uh, well, I mean, the things I say are brilliant. <laughs> The way the audio is for me, and then both your audio and what you say is horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. On, on your side, but so I'll just give you give you uh, two. Who the crap are you? What is your outlet? And what is your shtick? Wow. Okay. So who the crap am I? I'm Mark Dainty, as, as Will said. I live in the UK. I live in Sheffield in the UK. So there's a bit of a time difference here. Um, yeah, uh, my channel is not board gaming. That's B O R E D, uh, and it's a solo and soloable focused YouTube channel. We we say we, and I always say we, but it's me. It is literally well, it's, it's me. very very British, right? The royal we. Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But it is definitely just me and my multiple personalities. Uh, even my imaginary friends don't really speak to me to tell you the truth. But anyway, uh, so yeah, it's me. Covering solo and soloable games, doing reviews, previews, unboxings, but mainly reviews and previews, uh, and the very odd interview and playthrough thrown in here or there. And they generally, as you can tell from the amount of time I've been speaking now, kind of long form. I do like to talk a little bit, so generally somewhere between the thirty and sixty minute mark as well. The the, the only person out there that can take sixty minutes to talk about how to play war. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm sure Michael Kelly could uh, could really go on about how you play war games, couldn't he? So, well, you know, he chose not to be here. So, well, you know, we asked him, yeah. And it, it's it's great that you know you've got me back as a returning guest, and then you kind of caveat that by saying, actually, everybody else I asked was busy. Um, no, no, <laughs> Mark, no, you no, no, they weren't busy. <laughs> they cancelled. They cancelled. Yeah, <laughs> that's not true because we're, we're they asked to reschedule is what they did. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fine. So you scraped the bottom of the battle with me. Thank you. I did. I did. Um. Because because that is true. We did also ask Michael Kelly to join us, and he he was too busy with, I don't know, washing his hair or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So his back yeah. hair. Washing his back. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> what is his new nickname now? What did somebody call him fairly recently? Arrogant snot face. That's what he's going to be known from now on, isn't it? So yeah. You know, it was it was it was funny. I'm not going to uh, give the person uh, no. who because actually that that person has commented on both of our channels before. Very very angrily. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But this person has this long diatribe about stuff that, you know, maybe you could say that, well, maybe they have a point there. And then they end it with, and you're an arrogant, okay, arrogant, that's fine. You can call someone arrogant. Yeah. Snot face. Snot face. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, you know, that, that that whole argument then just kind of suddenly subsides yeah, a little bit do, there, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. I, 
what is your brewed beverage day? So I, in honor of you and your people, yeah. I have <laughs> some lovely Earl Grey tea. No, uh, twinnings yeah. or twinings, however you say twinings, it. Twinings. Twinings, yeah. which is yeah. over 300 years old. I know that because yeah. the tea bag told me. Yeah. And in my Omicron protocol swag mug. Look at that. Eh? That's very, very nice. And aren't you in that game as well? You are in the I game. I am. I just, yeah. I just found that. Oh, you know what? Because I'm going to talk about it. It's actually on my table. But. Okay. There it is. There, oh, man. Look at that. Right Your own there. tile. And, yeah. and yeah. even though my donut shop burned, I recovered with the chicken truck. Oh, man. Man, look at that. That's awesome, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's, it's the hungry coop. Or hungry co-op for the co-op version. Of that. <laughs> Brilliant! Very exciting. So no, Earl Grey tea, Twinings Earl Grey is my wife. My wife just drinks tea, um, and it's her favourite drink of all time. So that's literally how she survives and subsists herself throughout the day. But kind of returning the favour in in honour of uh, our transatlantic friendship here. I've um, I apologise. I've gone for. Budweiser. I, I, the pickings were slim. I actually, it's, it's kind of warm in the UK here today, and I, I did come on board with, with a lemon soda, uh, San Pellegrino, and Will was like, no, nope, it needs to be something brewed. So I found in the bottom of the bag a very warm can of Budweiser, and I shall be consuming that at some point. Yeah, but but you guys like warm beer, not lagers, not not beer beer. I mean, it's ales, ales. Yes, Budweiser in a nail. It's it, it's some kind of fizzy brewed hoppy thing i don't it's know it's urine it's okay it's kind of light it's fine yeah. no it's really your country like, it, it, your country really thrives not. on it yeah i i don't understand i just i don't i don't get it and not even bud light you might as well get bud light because then you just it's more more watery <laughs> Which makes it better. <laughs> Even less taste. <laughs> <laughs> that should be their slogan. Now with less taste. Now with less taste. <laughs> like, yeah, let's just get, get right to it. All right, but okay. so uh, actually moving on, Pat, like th th that's the fastest tangent I think we've had ever. Oh, yeah. On, on I'm sure one. there'll be more, though. Oh, oh, for absolutely. Um, so the, 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 the start of the question. Now, when, last time you were here, this was at the end of the episode. But okay. everyone told me I was podcasting wrong, and we have to start early with the games that we've been playing lately. So the, the two-half two question, one, what have you been playing lately? And then the second part, what's on your table right now? Okay. So, wow. you know, those are probably two different things. Yeah, absolutely. So this week, I've, I've managed to learn in the last kind of seven days some, some new games uh, and quite a few new games. So um, I've got the prototype for Green Helder board game. So based on a really popular uh, video game and it comes out to Kickstarter late this month. So I've been learning and playing that. And it really is tough as balls. It's a rock hard survival resource management, collect resources, exploration type game. Um, I also taught, uh, taught, I I learned uh, Merv, the solo version of Merv, which I thought was really, really good as well. I've only played it the once so far, but I kind of enjoyed that. I thought it was good fun. Well, what, what, um, what kind of game, game is that for? It is Merv is a uh, it's a full on crunchy euro. You are essentially trading spices and various things to try and get the most number of victory points in this kind of principality of Merv, this ancient city. Uh, so you're moving up on the market track or on the influence track or the other tracks. Can't remember what they're called, and you're trading. If, if anybody's played um, 
Lisboa and there's a section in Lisboa where you kind of if you've got a meeple at the top of the board you'll like to be at the houses on the rows there and, and crosswise and it's a similar port part in that game there's a central part of the board and you activate certain buildings on there to create resources etc and then you get attacked by uh, forces at the end of the second and third round I really enjoyed it it's a I think the solo play is different to the multiplayer but the solo felt like it was a really good puzzle I'm looking forward to getting that back out again um, I got Resident Evil 3 Kickstarter which I backed last year uh, and I played now, that did you also get Resident Evil 2 no, no, never played Resident Evil 2. Was there even a Resident Evil 1, or did this go straight to 2? No, so apparently Resident Evil is coming out next year. It's coming to Kickstarter next year. Um, so there's a little leaflet in it saying Resident Evil is coming to Kickstarter next year. Uh, Resident Evil 3, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think fans of the game may like it, but people that aren't fans of the sorry fans of the ip might like it uh people that aren't fans of the ip yeah because that, that, that's very astute fans of the game will like it yeah <laughs> aren't fans of the game won't so fans of the ip william fans of the ip might like it um anybody who's not a massive fan of the ip i'm certainly not i played it obviously uh growing up in my youth oh it's a very functional game uh, it's not really exciting me uh i thought it was okay when i first started playing it and now kind of three four scenarios in i'm finding it a little bit move move just just kind of the clockwork nature of it is just not very exciting so yeah um and then uh the game i uh, i've been playing this week and i've just done the video this morning um but my mac is throwing up all sorts of problems while i'm trying to upload it is um the game that's on my table is uh beyond the rift the perdition's mouth card game which is a kind of dungeon crawly card game each game is uh one to four players fully co-op um, you can play true solo or multi, uh, multi-handed solo. Plays in about 30 minutes uh, per scenario. Really good. I mean, really good little dungeon, little, uh, really good dungeon crawling game in the Perdition's Mouth universe. So, yeah, when my Mac decides it's going to actually let me upload the video, that'll be online. For everybody who doesn't know, he, there is no Mac. No. He doesn't have a chance. This is, this is just some guy <laughs> that Zoom bombed my. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that I was, you know, uh, guest number, um, or uh, sorry, requested guest number 473 after everybody else said no, then, you know, that's fine. 77. Um, 477. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, for, uh, uh, so is the Perdition's Mouth game, is it kind of along the lines of uh, the Pathfinder Adventure card game, that kind of game? I couldn't tell you. I've never played Pathfinder Adventure card game, so. Well, that, that was good. That went, no, we... that, that, that went nowhere. That kind of, mm, yeah, yeah. stopped right It sounded there. good. It, sounded it good. did sound good. Made you sound knowledgeable and me sound like I don't play games. So, yeah, uh, no idea. It is, um, you, you know, you, you play a character, you have a deck of cards, you're, you're fighting bad guys, bring them into your area. You kind of, not cycling your cards, but using your cards, using action points to play the particular cards. It's quite exciting, really snappy, fast game. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot, definitely. Yeah, I, I I overall enjoyed Perdition's Mouth, the uh, dungeon crawl, dungeon crawl game. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it, I thought it did some interesting stuff. Mostly the way that you just got weaker and weaker as you went through, which yeah. kind of brought brought out a made it feel a little more visceral and real, right? Because yeah, we're, we're digging climbing down in this bug cave, which I would never do. Um, I'd send you happily. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I go on. Um, yeah, and, you know, and that's the same here. 
in the um, in the campaign that comes with it, you will you know gum up your hands as your as your character progresses and gets more wounds and fatigue. Then yeah, your chances of being more successful throughout the entire campaign start to dwindle. So yeah, they've they've followed through with a lot of same thematic touches from Perdition's Mouth, stripped away a lot of the stuff that potentially you know they didn't need obviously because it's a lightning fast kind of lightning fast. It's a fast card game and made a really good game and even that uh, response deck that a lot of people don't like in Perdition's Bath I didn't mind it so much um, but that response deck works really really well for the card game. So I have also I got a whole bunch of stuff I've been playing lately um, and I've recently been on a trip and so I got to actually play games in meat space yeah. with some some other people um, the aforementioned uh, Mr. Arrogant Snotface and uh, <laughs> uh, also a Don from the, the Secret Cabal, who's also been a yeah. guest on the show. And so with, I played a couple games of Don, but the one that really stuck out that, that I really love is a Skulk Hollow, which I got over my shoulder right there. Okay. Yeah. Which is a really, really fun head-to-head asymmetric card-based, I'm going to call it a skirmish game. Not really. You get a tiny little board okay. with only nine spaces on it, but it's a, one player plays the faction of the foxes, you know, fox people, and it's their kingdom. And the other person plays one of the, the, the monsters. I don't know what they're, I can't remember what they're actually called in the game, but there's four or five different, these big old monsters that you're able to play. And each one of them is totally, totally unique. The powers it has, but the foxes are kind of playing a shadow of the Colossus. I don't know if you know that video game. Yep. 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 And that kind of thing where they actually have to get to you and kind of start climbing up you and start damaging you. And as they hurt you, it takes away some of your abilities and either they kill you or you accomplish your personal objective or, you know, kill their King, whatever it might be. So yeah. that, that, that game, I really like that one. I wish there was a, a solo mode, but there's not. Um, and uh, so I played that a lot of that one. I've been playing a game called Flamecraft. Which is oh, a, the uh, Peter Vaughan game, yeah, yeah, from a car- cardboard alchemy, and it's a kind of worker placement, uh, resource management, uh, contract fulfillment type game. But it has this just utterly adorable little dragon art that you have, which either yeah. you will like, or yeah. you, you know, it, it's one of the two. Either you, you like cute little cartoon dragons that are going around and baking bread and doing yeah. stuff because you're playing kind of like the the, the headhunter for yep. you know, I'm talking about you know a, a job headhunter not not a cool head yeah not an actual like headhunter head yeah. <laughs> for, yeah for, for, for these dragons you get them you're going to place them in places where they want to work you know the the bread the dragon you know there's like if you're a dragon named toast you want to go work in a bakery right like you know yeah that's what you do. yeah yeah so Have them warm the bread yeah been yeah exactly where you so anyhow very clever little game as each shop you send them to it has different you know abilities that you can activate and each dragon that you place in a play in, in a shop it lets yeah. you activate ability which starts moving things around and it's it's a very well i've only played a few times but it's a yeah. very family friendly light worker placement yeah uh looks looks good on the table game and then the yeah. other thing i've been playing uh, a lot lately is a vast mysterious manner which i love that game it's yeah got the pure asymmetricness that you get in uh, root stem the same company yeah. as root except it's on a smaller scale yeah so the player that's so you're in this manner and the paladin's going into the manner why to destroy the evil and the evil is yeah. either the spider sorceress 
So it can be a sorcerer, a spider, or the giant spider, a bunch of little spiders. Or with the expansion, it can be the shadow paladin. And you can also be the, uh, just a knight instead of the paladin with that. They're going to do that. The evil just wants to get out of the manor. The person playing the manor wants to lock everybody in forever. So it's kind of like you and this podcast. You're just trapped in here. To let you know. <laughs> the skeletons want to kill the paladin. And then there's this little warlock that's just kind of in there doing its own things. Like I can, I can gain power and just everybody leave me alone. Um, so, you know, and it's all this different, everyone has different goals like in Root, but unlike Root, there is no core game that everyone's playing that is the same at all. Okay. You know, when you play Root, you score points pretty much the same way. And you're mm-hmm. all going to win by scoring 30 points. And yeah. this one, it is completely ace there is if you know how to play the spider you know literally nothing about how to play any of the others it's not like so, in, yeah go ahead is, is that like what happens with merchant's cove then i mean i've only played merchant's cove once on the tt um, on the tts god on on tts with that's the, a sign with, of age right there buddy <laughs> when you start putting the Just, definitive article in front of things yeah the, the, the tts on the, the internet t- on the, on the internet, yeah, so, yeah. Which you access to the computer. <laughs> so yeah, only played the Merchants Cove once on the TTS uh, with you guys, um, but I know that was highly asymmetrical. So would you say kind of vast is? Uh, I would say out of those three games, um, Merchants Cove is the least uh, disparate because you still have that core center selling game well, i suppose yeah where the, yeah which yeah. is all the same and then in, in root if you know how to play the cats you don't yeah. know how to play the birds but at least you understand that anytime the birds destroys one of your things that's going to get them one point closer okay. and you know if they're yeah. taking stuff off of their board and player board and putting it onto the board that is bad for you yeah they're getting points in vast it's even less Right. Okay. Less what what you know. I mean, you have a rough idea if they're putting stuff out on the board. It's probably going to help them, but yeah. that's not necessarily going to make them win. Um, yeah. So for me, I I really really enjoy it. I've always liked it more than Root. Mostly, yeah. I think it's because of the it's the smaller scale. Like if you play the skeletons, you control five little skeletons. That's it. That's all you have. Yeah. The board feels smaller, more compact. So I really, really enjoy that one. But what I have on my table right now, I got two things on my table right now because I have two tables. One, I got a game called Backyard Chickens, which my wife and I are going to play later on. It's a coming Kickstarter. And it is a deck builder about keeping chickens in your backyard. And I mean, you know, there's there's no kind of... Talk about burying the lead in the name of the in the name of the know, game. Right? There, it really is, isn't it? Yeah, is, yeah. That that yeah. Is, it is exactly <laughs> what you think it is. You know, keep, you know, you got your chickens. You got to make sure that you're feeding your chickens. You got to keep them watered. And if you're clever enough, you can give them their favorite treat, and they're happier. And as they're happier, they they give you more eggs because you need the eggs, and the eggs are your income. So you're like bartering eggs to get stuff, you know, to make it all. You know, it's a, it's a deck builder, pretty much a pure deck builder. Yeah, go go back. Think about a a Dominion style type deck builder, though. You don't have a lot of you don't have that kind of clogging your hand up with money cards. You know, all all of the cards you have will be are used for something. Something use that. Yeah, you'll you'll get your chickens, and you have to manage those chickens 
So they get more eggs. And of course, eggs are how you buy things. And you get points based on the your chickens. And the more chickens that you have, the more points that you have. But that's kind of a sliding scale that goes up and down. So if your chicken runs away because you're not feeding it, and they do run away if you don't feed it long enough, like first they get unhappy, and then they're like, I'm out, um, which I find kind of funny. Uh, then your points go down. So you have to get keep them all happy enough or at least not running away until you, you hit the, the, point th the point threshold. So, so when they're unhappy... Are they in a foul mood? They are in a very foul oh, mood, and they give you fewer eggs. Okay. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. That's good. I don't. I don't have a, a follow up. Um, <laughs> I, I feel. I, I feel like we 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 we've beaten this pun. Oh dear me! Yeah, yeah. My brain's a bit scrambled right now. And so, <laughs> so the uh, uh, so I, I guess kind of the core of it. It's a game that. If you enjoy deck builder, it can be you know, a competitive deck builder. There is a solo mode. Yeah. If you enjoy competitive deck builders, that has a a different theme. Like mm -hmm. you know, it's a there's no there's no monsters you're killing. There's no yeah. You know, there's none of that. It's just a this nice kind of gentle. We're we're we got chickens in the back and we like our chickens. Then it's. I mean, it's right up your alley. If you like deck builders and you like chickens, it's right up your alley. Yeah, I suppose. I, mean, I suppose it's a bit of a niche market, isn't it? Uh, people that like chickens and deck builders, but they exist. So yeah, why not? What's the other game that's on your table then? Uh, so the other one is Omicron Protocol, which I just, before we started, finished the raw footage of the how to play video that I'm making. Right, okay. And it is, so I'll, I'll show this. It's This is just the rules reference. Like this is just the, because this is a miniatures skirmish game, and so okay, it's so how how many players is it? Two plus, uh, one to four, one to four. Oh, it's solo, but is it right? Okay, yeah, it is. That they have a a, a colo a colo, yes. See, that's it. <laughs> solo co-op. They're colo games. Colo they have, games. <laughs> and they do have a solo co-op mode, which is you're able to take just one of the factions, and just play it. Um, against the, the 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 neutral third party there's a neutral third party uh -huh. in the game so if we were actually playing against each other we each have our own unique faction that's really really different i mean it's a miniatures game so i mean a yeah. miniature skirmish game you, you get the box you get everything but but we you know with those games it's always very asymmetric what each faction does like if you're playing a yeah. or something you know the space marines and the orcs you know they all do different things but there's also this third party that spawns and is roaming around the board throughout the game that every time you've activated your one of your characters they make this uh, electromagnetic noise which draws these you know monsters or, or whatever to you based on how much you make that's the radius but so if you've done that then i get to control them to come mess with you on my okay, turn that's cool yeah, you get to control them to come attack me. But they also have the in the solo mode, you can play through all these scenarios with a single faction against the game. And then when you play it just against the game, just as third party, they give all of the different, uh, they're called Sims. Right. Uh, different abilities that they get. Yeah. And so they start stacking up based on the five, six different types that there are, different models different types yep. to get different types of abilities. And the more that you have, the more, the more of them that are out there, the more abilities that they have. And so as you knock them out, they start losing abilities. So, okay. 
And yeah, so that, cool. that's that one. It's there's a lot. It's the mo- probably the most complicated game that I have. It's not complicated to be complicated. It's just complicated because it's a miniatures game, and those are complicated. Uh, yeah, but there is no measuring in it. It's all hex based. Okay. Oh man. Oh okay. Are you a little bit disappointed by that? Did you want to get your ruler out? You no. straight edge or no? no. I, okay. I, I don't. I've had a slight desire to try one of those games like Rangers of Shadow Deep lately, just because yeah. I have so many miniatures. I have yep. them for all these games. It's a slight desire to kind of try one, but in general, no, and especially not if I'm playing a competitive game. I just yeah. Let me just look at the board and count hexes. Somebody who, fo- somebody who follows my channel, a guy called Lee Anderton, he sent me through the. Um, uh, go on. Oh, Elder the Scrolls mail system that you met on the uh, mail internet system. system. <laughs> yes. on YouTube. He sent me. He sent me through the Elder Scrolls miniatures game, whatever that's called. Um, another one. Anyway, yeah, and uh, that came through with loads of miniatures, and you know, I got a big map for it, and I read through all the rules, thought it sounded great, and then I've just not had time to play it as of yet. So, um, so yeah, I, mean, I kind of it's one of the things I want to do. I want to take a break from creating some content at some point. Maybe take kind of take a, a month or two and just play games, just for playing games again. Remember what that was? Um, yeah, and just play games just for a bit of fun for a couple of months before I go back to it. And maybe when I do that, that's when I'll play the um, the Elder Scrolls miniatures game. Can't remember. What it's called yeah uh, i think it's called the elder scrolls miniatures game uh, well there we go yeah yeah it's yeah that, that is always a kind of a, a tough thing like i really want to play the other altar quest campaign i played the expansion campaign yeah. all the way through before i reviewed it and i want to go back and play the other yeah. one i just haven't gotten to it because stuff keeps showing up like, yeah which is a good thing you know like madara yeah, it's first world problem up, yeah you know which is i'm really enjoying that chronicles of drunagor just showed up the other day um, yeah, so I, I must I, back that. I think. Yeah, so I. You know, but then I again, gotta, go I was going to say, then again, do I want to back another large scale campaign game because I've got that many? I've got Midara like you, and uh, it's one of my constant regrets. I just don't get to play it enough. It takes a long time to set up. I've got to leave it on the table for a few days um, because you can't just play one game and put it away. And uh, and yeah, so as as much as uh, Chronicles of Drunagar or whatever it's called looks great. Just thinking, maybe large-scale campaign games. I don't need many more of them right now. Well, yeah, you just gotta finish one and send it out. I mean, that's what I'm have decided I'm going to do with. I'm, I'm pointing, like you can see, uh, what I've decided yeah. to do with uh, Alter Quest. When I do finish the next, play the next campaign, I'll, pro- I'll probably move it on. And it's not because I don't like it. Um, I think it was my number. I ranked it my number seven dungeon crawl. But yeah, it's a big box, and I have yeah other big boxes and it other wasn't my boxes. one two three or four or five so yeah and everyone must probably admit, told me that that chronicles of journal had to be on that list so i got a copy <laughs> of the but uh, yeah alter quest is a weird one because a lot of people had it and moved it on i mean you know it, it shifted around like you see it a lot in the forums that you know people that potentially didn't enjoy it as much as they thought they were going to and i think it is i i like alter quest um i don't quite love it but i like it um i did love it and then I think all of the upkeep just started to become a little bit too much. What's and uh, yeah, he's, uh, I think somebody's at the door. So the bubba started barking. Um, and yeah, and I do want to play it more. Um, but also it intimidates me a little bit because I know I've just got to spread it out on the table. I think that's what put people off. It was almost too much and uh, modular deck system and, 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 and upkeep for people. It's like maybe the Saddlers should have just reined it back a little bit on Alter Quest. 
Yeah, if you're wow. gonna play that with, if you're especially playing solo, with more than two characters, it's just it. It's impossible. It's too much. And it's tough. Yes, yeah. it's space that huge board. Well, I, you know, I like the huge board, but it's there's something that's hard about just starting to just lay your cards out on the board because you're never going to use all those rooms. Yeah. In, in any given game, but it's hard. I'm Absolutely. Yeah, it's very tough. But anyhow, yeah. we've covered this cool. ad nauseum. So yeah, our, our topic today is the things that grind our gears in the board game industry. Now, we haven't talked about this. I no. literally sent this message like last night. I was like, hey, let's talk about this. And so yeah. just totally broad. It can be crowdfunding. It can be reviewer. It can be as a consumer. Whatever you got. So what's your first thing that grinds your gears? I think this is kind of topical based on the video I did recently for um, for the Resident Evil board game. Uh, and you see it in various board games as well. I think Barrage had issues with this is you get a great and well-produced game, fantastically well-produced game. And it has one crappy component where they just drop the ball so spectacularly that it's, it's unbelievable. The rest of the game shines so much. And it's like, why have you done this? And you can make excuses for this, but why not follow that train of thought right through? So with Resident Evil, you get all these wonderful miniatures, you get all the tiles, you know, the artwork's been massively improved. You get these wonderful cards, you get game trays in there. And then a key component that you will get out every game is a dashboard. And this dashboard tracks where you are in the campaign and you put cards on there and you're, you're having a look at where you are. And it's printed on paper. It's on paper. Wait, let me show you. <laughs> because people need to know this is not acceptable. So there we go. There's a fantastic looking Resident Evil 3 box. And you get all this wonderful stuff. Great rule books, minis, game trays, etc. This is the dashboard. This crappy piece of paper. When you open the box, it says this game contains scenes of explicit violence and gore. And you think it's something you can throw away not an integral part of the game but it is absolutely an integral part of the game and it's printed on paper and for the people who are, just, who are just listening so so you understand this is not even like a piece of cardstock or even a piece of printer paper this is like the advertisement glossy stuff that shows up in your mailbox sometimes it's yeah. that kind of thin thin paper Local pizza parlors would have thicker paper than this, basically, uh, when they're uh, when they're playing their wares to you. So I think that you know, when we look at and certainly on Kickstarter, and I think when I posted my video on this and you know commented on this on on, on BGG, some of the feedback is people making excuses for Steamforge games. Oh, it's it's down to the coronavirus and you know not being able to get parts from it X, Y, and Z. Or maybe this would have made the game too expensive. Um, oh, one more piece of cardboard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On a whatever it is, $100 game. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the, the thing people kept repeating to me, just laminate it. And that's not the point, is it? Let's face it. I don't spend 65 quid, 80 quid, whatever, on a Kickstarter, or $100 uh, on a Kickstarter, for me then to have to go and laminate an integral part of it. So crappy components in games, you know, that really bugs me a lot. What, what about you? you I'm going to go with my first one. And uh, you reminded me of it when you were talking about the game trays. So I love a game that has a good insert, game trays, all this stuff. But it drives me 
off the wall, up the wall, whatever, off yep. my rocker. If I don't know where the stuff goes, I that happened. That's in Resident Evil. There's no instructions on where to put it as well. Yeah. I, I mean, and sometimes the game trays will have game trays. Sorry, I got to get that. Yeah. The Z, as, as you would say. Z. We would say um, Z, yes. Um, sometimes it'll be like, like on the plastic. It'll kind of have that the form in there, like the token or whatever yeah. goes in there. That, that's great. I, I got no problem with that. Yeah. Those are, but sometimes you just get it. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to try. <laughs> and the thing is when game trays design these trays for particular games they will obviously provide the publisher with a diagram or whatever of where things are going to go it has to go there and it can't be that much of a hassle for the publisher to put that somewhere on the lid of, on the inside of the box lid wherever it needs to go but for crying out loud to give you the jigsaw puzzle it's just you know it's unforgivable yeah. you know i it's funny on on the, the flip side uh the same company that published a Skulk Hollow, they have another small box game called the 100 Tory. And they included a how to pack it up in the box. It didn't even have an insert. It's just got one of those inserts. That's like the, the, the one little piece of cardboard on the side. And even in that, it said, this is how you stack it. So it's, it's lovely and fits. And clearly it can't be that hard to do because they, they that game literally doesn't need it. And they did it. Yeah. Great. And I, I just, uh, one of the other ones I just got, uh, well, the Chronicles of Drunagor, as I was yep. going through, I actually posted on, online a couple of places. I was like, it, I feel like I have a lot of space left over in here. Like, am I? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And, and I was like, am I, am I missing something? Am I missing that? Of course, I was like, well, you could always just count the components. Like, I know I can count the components, dude. I could, <laughs> but I don't want to, I don't want to go and get, because in this game, there are, I don't know, three, four little rows in this tray. That's like this, this long for anybody watching. I don't know. My, my fingers are like, they're just listing. I mean, or maybe six, six inches apart or so. And it gets filled up with tokens, the size of a dime, you know, an American yeah. dime, which I don't know what's analogous to that size in, in England, but not small. Like it's full of those. I don't want to count those. <laughs> someone can just say like i could say hey mark am i supposed to have a paper thin player dashboard resident evil you could say yes <laughs> yeah. right. you know, you know. But, yeah. yeah so so the, those that that on the one hand i, I appreciate having all the extra space because as of i think that's what it is but because uh, i can then you know, put expansion there if i get them i like that which brings the next yeah. thing i really get this is me being so picky, but it really grinds my gears when I start getting expansions and I have to keep all the boxes because I can't consolidate. Like, I get it. Sometimes you get a lot of stuff. You need two boxes. Yeah. Yep. Man, I want to consolidate. It's just... Yep. Mm. See, I used to go through that phase where because it was, you know, it was an expansion, it was a printed box and box looked nice. I had to keep the box. But now if I can get rid of as many boxes as possible, I, you know, everything's going in the base box as, as much as possible, basically, for me. Yeah. Space is a premium. Yeah, I, I have not come quite to the point where I'm throwing away inserts. Right. Uh, I mean, every now and then, for, for some I will. But so for yeah. example, but Merchant's Cove, for example, has a solid insert it's not it's not it's not game trays but a pretty solid insert and i just saw somebody posted that they by throwing away the insert they were able to get all of it 
the whole thing, oh. all the expansions, and you there's the secret stash box. There's a secret in the secret stash box, so you, you can't get rid of that box. Even the box in the box, the whole thing goes in there. In the, and I'm like, ooh, yeah. I might. People are clever. Not us. No, we're not. No, 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 we're not. All right. So, so that, 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 that's my, that's my second one that the, you know, kind of just the not being able to consolidate, which is really nitpicky because I know people are, their space spaces at a premium. So they might, they designed the box to hold everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. Get, get, get it, get it set though. I do appreciate like a dwellings of Elderville up here. Like when, yeah. no matter what version you have, the box is the same size. Absolutely. Yeah. Which, it's got spaces in there and you know what those spaces are for. They, those spaces obviously painfully remind you that you should have bought the next version up or you should have bought the legendary version, but they're in there. And, you know, you know where everything needs to go. All the game trays have got the little icons on there. It's great. I mean, that is like almost, I, I can understand why it's so expensive, basically, because of all the thought that went into exactly what goes into those boxes. All right. So what, what, what's the next thing that grinds your gears? Uh, errata. Errata. I don't, oh, I feel. So we're in a fairly privileged position. We get to obviously speak about board games a lot. And we get to interact with sometimes with publishers, etc. And when we get games through or we're in various forums about things, when a game's just been released, then somebody will say to you or the publisher will say, oh, right, go online and check the errata or check the FAQs online because it's different to the rule that's in the, in the game. And that's okay. It's an annoyance because I don't live on my laptop. I don't live on my, you know, on, on the computer, etc. And I don't necessarily want to troll through BGG to find out what the publisher couldn't be asked to check in the rules before it went out. But it's becoming more and more commonplace now as well. And I know that's slightly understandable as games are more complex that, you know, it's bound, things are bound to be missed, but it's almost like almost every release now has something missing in the rule book that then needs to be picked up. And it makes me worry about people who potentially are casual buyers of board games, who are not looking on BGG, who aren't on the forum. So for example, uh, Imperium Classics. That's the one um, I was just re- thinking about. Cause I was, yeah. uh, I was just, uh, and uh, it's again, that boy, I, I've thought about p- picking that up uh, and I haven't, I said, but I did enter a contest to win a free one. So ah, there we go. There we go. That. But yeah, I, I've heard that there is a major rule, not in the rule book. Not in the rule book for solo play, which makes it practically unwinnable as a solo gamer. Uh, Have you thought so about you've that got... you're just bad at games? Oh, I'm utterly terrible at games. There's no denying that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why I love telling people how bad they are at designing them or how good they are at designing them because I'm shy at playing them. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, that is a massive one. That's uh, a massive omission that's in the rule book. Now, of course, you know uh, the publisher of Spray Games and everybody that's involved in the game. You know, your David Turchie, your Nigel Buckle, anybody that's had any involvement in the game will tell you go and check the errata online. But it really makes me worry about the occasional buyers, the people that aren't ingrained in the industry. And I think that publishers need to do more to pick up on that. I don't know what at what stage in the process proofreading stops. I'm sure there are many reasons why this happens, but it seems to happen with alarming uh, with, with an increasing amount of regularity and an alarmingly increasing amount of regularity. And the fallback position is, yeah, just go on BGG and, and look at the updated rules. It's not good enough. Yeah, no, and I wonder if that's... I mean, I wonder if it happens because of kind of the, the, these timelines and just not fully either going through and doing 
enough of the play testing of all the different uh, interactions that you can have. Like for example, the, the game being vast, it has it has a lot of stuff that's you got to get clarifications on. It's just the rule book's yeah. not great. Um, it's not the worst, but it's not great. So I, I wonder if that this stuff they just legitimately don't know that this is too powerful and they have to errata it later. Or I wonder if it's because it's hard to write a rule book. I mean, leaving out oh, a major rule, yeah. that's not that that that's just a that's just a boneheaded move. But it's just hard and I think we often think when we know the game that, well, this is very clear, but if you don't have somebody else out there going through it and saying, you know what, I didn't, I don't know, I have no idea that they, they miss it. And you know, people don't want to hire a rule book editor. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's another, they should, uh, that, that's just another cost. Um, like I was see, just playing uh, the, the Flamecraft game with my wife. Yeah. She was looking at the player aid. Um, which is going to, that's going to segue me into my next one in a minute, but oh, uh, yeah. uh, with the, the, the little player aid card and she kept forgetting the first step. She just kept, I kept saying, yeah. you have to, do you have to, to, to move, move your dragon. And it's just because she, it's on the player aid, but the way it's arranged for someone who has no idea how to play, yeah. you just don't, you don't see it. You don't understand that's what yeah. it's saying. And I actually, I was able yeah. to send to the publisher, Peter Vaughn, say, hey, this was my wife's experience. And he said, oh, I had no idea. And so yeah. Yeah, they're, they're going to adjust it, which is, is, is great. But That's great. It's still in development. And that's, yeah. great. that's exactly but, what you see, want. Because but, but yeah. he knows how to play the game. Because I knew how to play the game going yeah. in. I played it on TTS. I never saw it. It never yeah. occurred to me. And I think that might be what happens is they just, they don't get the eyes on it. Or maybe they do, but not early enough to catch So I think then... This kind of segues into obviously what you're going to speak about next, but also back into my first one regarding components and um, inferior components is that the, the age of the errata is not going away. It's become an accepted norm. And it's like we as the buying public have decided that it's OK for publishers to get rule and rule books incorrect because we will pick it up in the in the errata afterwards. You go back to the inferior board game piece, like the piece of paper in Resident Evil, if we accept stuff like that, then suddenly it's going to be okay because publishers will say, right, they're fine. They'll go off and laminate it on their own. And I think, you know, it's, I think we just have to be mindful of, of, of as, as a board game society <laughs> saying, actually, no, let's just push this back a little bit. You know, if your rules aren't good enough, then you need to do something about it. For example, Root. And the uh, the clockwork expansion for Root from Leader Games, you know, the electric eerie rules were wrong in the rule book and the boards were printed wrong. Now, what they didn't do is they didn't say, hey, everybody, you can come out, you know, we'll send you these stickers or apply for these, whatever. They did a very little window where you could apply for a sticker to put on the board and in the rule book. And they said, right, if you want the corrected version, because we, we messed up here, but if you want the corrected version, you're going to have to back the next Kickstarter and then you can get it in the next Kickstarter and pay for again what you've already got for the we messed up and take the wrong things through. And the people, you know, we as a public have accepted that. And same with the rules, same with inferior pieces or wrong pieces. And it just, it, it creates a worrying trend, I think, that, you know, we are setting the bar for ourselves. Hopefully we don't go on too long about stuff that grinds our game. But, <laughs> but uh, so my, my next one is when the game doesn't come with a player aid. And it's oh, not... Yeah necessarily for me because i play a lot of games and just like yeah. i was talking about with the 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 flamecraft thing like i i get it 
or the yeah i could sit down and play the backyard chicken game with you right now because you played a deck builder like, yeah you get it we could do that but so like for my wife she will often she'll ask us does it have a player aid and if i say no she's like do i really have to play this with you can yeah. you find somebody else like it just and it's not i mean i don't know cost like i know everything's expensive right now but of course and, and i'm not talking about how like this on the back of the book like that's yeah. lovely but no give yeah. me one for everybody and, and i will say i'm showing the back of the Omicron protocol they actually do have yeah. one for, for everybody and it, it's actually very good but you know just put that in there and, and it's yeah. okay if you have to go reference something like i'm gonna pick this thing back up in this huge rules book but it's okay if on the back of the small card it says you know check line of sight or whatever yeah. and then you know it could say page 47 or this is so big probably page 1047 whatever and I can go look it up if I don't know, but it's those little reminders and then not having that is just. Yeah. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's worse for a solo gamer because even the ones that sometimes have player aids for multiplayer games don't have a bespoke solo one if they've got a solo mode. Not every game, some do obviously. Um, and that can be a real issue as a solo gamer as well because you know invariably the solo game will play differently as it does to the multiplayer game. So yeah, that is, that. I, I get that. I absolutely get that. I get the cost implications of why sometimes publishers don't do it. And certainly given current manufacturing costs and shipping costs, et cetera, every penny counts as you say. Um, so yeah. Well, what's your next one? I mean, and for everyone watching, listening, like it, it does sound like we're kind of crapping yeah. on the industry here. I mean, this is, as I said, this no. is just us being grumpy. I mean, to, to a point, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're, we're being grumpy yeah. and we're, we're speaking probably a bit more uh, emphatically than maybe we really feel, but you know, these are, these are issues that are out there and they do really bother yeah. some people. Like legitimately, my wife does not want to play a game with me if she can't have a player aid unless she's playing yeah. a lot all right but what's your yeah. well, what's your next one mark i'm going to move away from the publishers and, and what they do because overall they're under a lot of pressure and there are a lot of great games out there and uh and you know and i enjoy playing a lot of these great games as well and the vast majority of our I'm interactions with publishers is good i mean the the vast it's good. Majority. yeah yeah i mean yeah vast majority the ones that don't ever answer back well or you know promise stuff and don't deliver then you know forget them i mean to, but, to, um, to be fair i, I assume yeah. you're when you talk to your kids they don't answer back most of the time well absolutely yeah I'm, it's just something i'm used to as a middle-aged person absolutely so yeah um i think the the celebrity uh, and i use this in inverted commas because you know it by no means applies to us or, or as we say here board air quotes could you give me a real big air quote for uh, celebrity please i mean just so we get it there we go. There we go. Yeah, your celebrity. The celebrity of the board game reviewer. Um, it's, um, I think it's a little bit damaging, if anything. There's an over-reliance on certain review channels, um, and that can impact a game. And that's exactly what we do, of course. You know, we're obviously, we're both a lot, we're kind of Z-list in, in what we do. Um, but there is an over-reliance on the views and the viewpoints of a lot of reviewers. And I think there's two things that ha that's happened. I think board game reviewers are potentially doing it wrong. Um, and I think that people that watch board game reviews are doing it wrong as well. Uh, and I say that as a board game reviewer, as a part-time board game reviewer. As a board game reviewer, but I think doing that it there wrong. Is, 
Many times, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's times my audio is not right or my video isn't right or, you know, I'm, I'm cramped for shooting conditions or I may have got a ruling correct even after playing it 10 or so times or, or whatever it is. But, um, you know, I, I think you're going to touch on this. Um, and I know Johnny Pack uh, picked up on it, this reviewer drift thing as well, whereas board game reviewers, we, we fall under the fact that, you know, we sometimes don't play games enough times um, to form a, co not coherent, but a truly true position on a game. Now, that's many things. You know, if I get a game to review and I don't like the game, I'm still going to play it five or six times. But I'm probably not going to play more than that because why put myself through something that I don't enjoy? But is it a truly kind of um, unbiased opinion of the game? No, it's a snapshot of a particular time. There's the air quotes again. But there is, you flip on that other side and then you get people who, you know, potentially, uh, and people who consume board game reviews or review channels or preview channels or board game content, if you like, and they only listen to the word of a Tom Vassell or of a Quinn's from Shut Up and Sit Down because, you know, they speak their or they think they speak their particular language or they like their production values so i think we're hitting this thing whereas board game reviewers we may not we may not be doing people a service because you know we get quite a lot of content uh there's, there's quite a a consistent push to release a form of content uh that's going to garner more views going to garner more uh more people watching your stuff which will then get more subscriptions which will then make it a little bit bigger and make it easier to get more content to come through then there's the demand on the other side, and you know this. So I've released videos for older games, um, and barely anybody watches them. Nobody, you know, is really that interested in the game that was released two years ago. What they are interested is in a game that was released, you know, within the last three months, and then thinking about making a buying decision because the board game market moves so very, very fast. So yeah, I feel that the uh, the kind of board game reviewers and the cult of the celebrity of some board game reviewers as well. Um, you know, I think that can be a little bit damaging to the industry. Yeah, I, I think it's a hard thing, right? Because on the one hand, I don't begrudge the reviewers that have 20, 30, 40,000, 100. Absolutely like, not, not at all. No, no, nor do I, I begrudge, oh, shut up, sit down. Because I, I mean, they're now the biggest YouTube channel in board games. Yeah. Uh, they, they, I don't know, a couple months later, they passed Dice Tower. I don't begrudge that at all. And I don't begrudge people who are like, yeah. you know what? I don't listen to a lot of reviews, but you know, when I listen to uh, Quinn's and Lee's and Tom, if they like something, I go, I check it out. That's great. Yeah, I got zero problem with that. Um, but I think where we uh, start to agree on, to, to agree is when we start to get into the nerds like us who are yeah. deep into the hobby and when they're only relying on one of the you know the the, the celebrities you, you'll you'll say which again i don't have a problem with if uh if you always find that you agree with rado great you always agree with rado but it's these when guys we get, work hard yeah it's when we get militant about it right like yeah. you know you put somebody say well no well, rado liked it so this is good or rado didn't like it so it's not like there's other opinions you yeah. <laughs> you know you, you, you may have them and one of the things I'm always encouraging, I guess the part that does also grind my gears is there are so many smaller reviewers out there that have opinions that are worth listening to. And yeah. because they're going to highlight something different than the, the big times are. So like, for example, you know, shut up and sit down. You're going to get a lot of, uh, of comedy and performance yeah. in what they're doing. 
and less of the you know, nuts and bolts of what's going on. Yeah. When you have something like, uh, well, like Rado, again, I like Rado, but you're only going to get it from a one-on-one perspective, two-player yeah. only perspective. When you're talking about, uh, well, our friend, uh, Mr. Snotface, you're, <laughs> you're only going to get the co-op thing. Yeah. And, and so there's all, which is great that there's all these niches out there, but I think the problem is that when we start seeing the, you know, the, the deep hobby gamers, we start to think that these are the only voices that matter. Yeah. And they're not, and again, I'm not saying my voice matters. Um, yeah. But it does. <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> it's but not what your know, wife says. No, no. no. But, uh, I'm, uh, but to some people, my voice does matter. Absolutely. You know, they, they do yeah. listen to, to, to my voice, to my, my recommendations. And some people will, you know, will think about it. if you say a game's terrible, I don't want it. But yeah. it's when we get the people like, well, if they're not one of these big five, it, it doesn't matter. And doesn't that's matter. where it bothers me. Like you have a friend yeah. down the road that you go to the pub with all the time, you know, Johnny Williams. Like there are going to be people who are like, in that you have never heard of him or oh my gosh i'm totally in sync with this guy so yeah. I, I think it's the, the lack of promoting the others that are out there or yeah. grabbing onto it and there, there are I some publishers that that do and i and i get it like yeah. it's a numbers game like if you're only yeah. going to get your can you, the the your video viewed 12 times do i yeah. want to send you a game because i mean I only, it's true. I, I only it. have to sell three games off your video to make that money back or to, you know, yeah. profit. But, you know, so it's there. I just think we don't uh, do as good uh, a job promoting it, yeah, everybody. I think you're right. And, you know, this is, you say, not to take away, and this isn't salty in any way because I'm quite happy with the level of success I've got and you're happy with the level of success that you've got for your channel. And I'd be happier uh, so if I was be... above you, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, and, and then we both look up to Snotface and be like, yeah, forget it. That, that is Mr. Um, Snotface. Mr. Mr. Arrogant Snotface. Sorry, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, you know, the people that generally have lots of uh, – uh, lots of subscribers are people that do this full time or you know it's, 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 it's a massive part of their life and they work bloody hard you know they work as hard as anybody else creating this stuff but i just think that there's an over-reliance on on the cult of the celebrity of um of board game reviewers i'd like to see more smaller reviewers like luke hector did a thing recently which was support small creators so his broken meeple channel's got 11 12 000 subs etc uh, and he made he did a series of uh, and he's still doing them now videos and and collabs with smaller creators to promote these smaller creators it would be nice to see some of that for some of the larger channels go right down to the people who've got less than 500 subs and say, actually, come on, let's give you guys a shout. Let's, let's give you guys a lift. We don't see so much of that. And I'm guilty, you know, I'm guilty. Yes. I'll reach out and, and speak to new creators and offer them advice, but maybe I should do more myself to help people who are where I was two years ago. But, uh, and I think that's going to dovetails into the, the one that really gets me the most is trolling commenters. I, I just, just, and the one that, that gets me, and for, you know, people who are watching and listening, you know, I, I'm relatively, I come down relatively hard on over-sexualization of women yeah. in games. Not, and, and I, I point that out. If you want to have everybody over-sexualized in your game, I got no problem with that. Um, but it's when it's 
just women. I don't like yeah. that. And when a game totally misses the mark on diversity, I don't like that a lot yeah. either. And people are, whenever I talk about it, people are always popping up in the comments and they're, get your USJW this. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the one that gets me the most is when they talk about keep your opinion to yourself. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's your channel. <laughs> it's literally a channel about my opinion. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't agree with your opinion, then by all means, go out, set up their own channel, call it right wing board games, whatever you want to call it, basically, and just go out there and spew your vile filth uh, yourself. And it is your opinion that nobody, because right? thing is, you're not even being offensive, and nobody is. And, and I certainly call out, you know, um, you know, lack of this or lack of that, and or, or celebrated it. You're not being offensive. All you're saying is, this is an issue for me, yeah. And this is an issue I think the publisher or whoever should have thought about. But people take it so personally. This whole keep your politics out of board games. Well, sorry, but diversity isn't political. <laughs> It's just a way of life right now. And we have to celebrate the fact that not everybody is cookie cutter the same. Uh, and, you know, I think we just, you know, the more people that understand that it's not political just to be sensitive to how somebody feels. That's just being a human being. Uh, so, yeah, I don't get that argument and I don't get it really. And it, for whatever reason, it happens to you a lot when people will say, <laughs> yeah, keep your opinions to yourself. I mean, I say that to you a lot. Mike says that to you a lot. But your wife says that to you a lot. But, you know, but we got the right to say that but that's right people on your channel have no right. well and yeah. it's interesting and so the, the for for me and and for the people who are you know considering commenting on a video like i actually don't I, I have zero problem when someone talks about why they don't think it matters or why it yeah. doesn't bother them i got no problem with yeah. that and i will in, engage that discussion regularly often i'll say you know well that to me this is why it now matters to me i'm gonna Go again yep. on my soapbox here. If you can look up to me on my soapbox here, um, I'm talking about the diversity in, in games. And until, uh, so my niece is African American, and I, uh, truth, like so many other people, I hadn't thought about. It. I was like, well, you know, whatever, I played that play a game doesn't matter. Yeah. But when it occurred to me, I was like, I want to be able to play a game with her, where if she wants to play a character that resembles her so she can feel yep. like she's a hero too like that's not cool if she can't yeah you know? but it you know it was my personal experiences of what kind of opened my eyes to that and so i get it how people you know want to talk about well, I, I don't see why this matters so you know, i'll have that discussion with you and i don't need to change your mind so i'm fine with with all of that it's just when people get all trollish about it which i just yeah. i'm doing better now I just remove the comment and move on because I don't need to have that. But boy, it's hard. It's it a, is hard. But it, I like to I like to call on you, and then you, you often come in and and give them. <laughs> and I think you know they they sometimes know which buttons to press. And I think you know uh, it's great to kind of walk away and be the bigger person or better person. But sometimes you know you, they say something so abhorrent that it needs redressing before the comment is removed you just need to feel better that you've actually vented and said something against it because there's no need to be abhorrent about this and yeah it, that's that saddens me um that people want to keep <laughs> politics out of board games which is just a ridiculous statement uh but then get all political 
about why you shouldn't have made your comment and uh, well, political in their terms about why you shouldn't have made your comment on X, Y or Z, be it diversity or, or whatever. And it, it just saddens me. It really does sadden me. But as you say, we kind of, you know, we try to rise above it a little bit. But I think yeah, that's, we, we, we've got a lot of our chess so far. Yeah, I'm sure we can sit there no, forever. No, I mean, no, this is going to be the, the, the least listened to episode ever. Um, but just, just, on, <laughs> but, just on a fun thing, because we, we've been talking about, you know, to, we dove a little deeper into the whole diversity thing. Just because we were talking about negative, what are a couple of games off the top of your, if you have off the top of your head, that have nailed it on the diversity and representation? Because so, so I, I got two one. right off the top of my head. Okay. So the most recent one was the preview video I did for, uh, or the game I did the preview video for recently, which was Distilled, which is on Kickstarter right now. It's doing stellar on Kickstarter. And this is a game about taking over a distillery and, um, yeah, making spirits. Uh, and, you know, whiskey is a part of that. And traditionally, I should imagine a very male dominated um, uh, industry. And what you have is this wonderful cast of characters you can choose from, be that male, female. There's somebody who doesn't identify as their original gender, as the gender they were born with as well. Not quite clear if you can call them, if you can say trans at this point, but and I, th- and I know there's further stuff being done. There's people of colour, there's people of all nationalities representing what they do. Absolutely fantastic. Doesn't feel shoehorned in. Everybody's got a little bit of a backstory, be them historical figures or or new figures, and it nails it. Absolutely nails it. They all have slightly a slight little bit of asymmetry in terms of the signature dish that they do, but it's great to see this fascinating range of characters in a game about making spirits, which could have been populated by middle-aged white Scottish people, basically in terms of characters, you've got this full range of global characters covering every kind of, um, you know, every every gender and non-specific gender and people of color and people of different nationalities. Absolutely fantastic. What about yours? All right, so I'll go with one I've been talking about all day because it's literally right by my computer. I'm looking at it. Uh, Omicron Protocol, it's yep. just, huge diversity across it and also some body type diversity too which okay i thought it's very very cool and the other is a guild master from good games publishing which is super okay pure fantasy and it is total diversity did some of the heroes are old dudes you know like old yeah. old <laughs> people you know all kinds of her so those are the ones I come right i mean as i i can look around and i can see several those they kind of tend to be the ones i hold on to are those yeah. kind of games. All right. Anything else that grinds your gears? No. And I think, yeah, yeah, there is. Actually, I was going to say no, and then I'm going to You're, say yes. You, you, is... you, were, you were almost going to be the bigger man, but you decided... Almost, but I think there's big. a reason that... <laughs> no, well, there's an actual switch around point here, is that what grinds my gears, and we are definitely part of this, and we've just had 20 minutes talking about it, is the amount of negativity that happens in this hobby. Because it's pretty fucking... It's a pretty great hobby. <laughs> and That's all right. I, 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 I'll bleep you. I'll bleep you. <laughs> it brings out a lot of joy for a lot of people. It allows people to meet, you know, obviously in non-COVID times. It allows people like us who never met physically, personally, who are three, well, 5,000 miles away uh, to converse and have uh, similar ideas. And I think there is always a lot of negativity about the industry. And I think we need to, as an industry, focus on a lot of the positives that we have we're certainly part of that problem. This last 20 minutes is part of that problem. I'd like to see a bit of a switch around into uh, not, not for this conversation, not necessarily this conversation, but more about being positive um, about what this hobby does and how it brings to people. That's, that, that is perhaps my biggest negative 
Uh, and the biggest thing that grinds my gears is there's not enough positivity about what we do. Yeah, you know, and I'm, uh, that, that's a fun thing that you brought up because as reviewers, that's often something that pe- people will say. It's like, oh, they're just giving, uh, just all these reviews are just positive. They must be bought and purchased or whatever. And there's a lot of reviewers that just, if they don't like a game, they just don't talk about it. Like they follow yeah. that, you know, if you can't say something nice. And, they don't say something at all. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and it's interesting. And, and it's people, you know, sometimes complain about that. And, and I don't, I don't personally do that. I, I, I don't call it stuff I don't like because I try to do a, you know, it's just because I don't personally like it doesn't mean someone else won't. I try to, I call it, you know, quibbles, you know, yeah. who may, you know, whatever. But I mean, this is not that idea of only talking about the positive is not unheard of. There was, I don't remember the guy's name, but a huge food critic who was a huge, huge deal. You know, he was famous like wearing a hat or something, but okay, he would only, and he was, I think he was one of the biggest food critics in, at least in America, but he would only review a place if he loved it, period. Right, okay. Like he just, he would go places and if he didn't think it was amazing, he didn't bother. He wasn't yeah. about telling you, don't go to this place. He's like, yeah. oh, you're, 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 in, you're in Sheffield, go to this place. Here's yeah. what, I'm going to spend my time doing that. And, and I, I think, you know, that's a very valid way of, of doing things, but there's that pushback that yeah. you know, we're starting to see more of. There's starting to see a, yeah. bit, a bit more pushback of people only being positive. And it's interesting because if you post something negative, it gets views. Um, yeah. I, I can only assume that uh, uh, your video on... Um, pendulum which you you came down pretty hard on uh the, the solo mode we don't have to dive into why it's okay i guess the game's sticking out. <laughs> i'm starting um, to get the sweats <laughs> yeah uh but i can only imagine that that got a lot of views a lot of views a lot of comments absolutely yeah yeah and uh my uh, recent video on sleeping gods which i didn't like and yeah admittedly i titled it entitled it provocatively saying it's not me it's definitely you uh, in terms of sleeping gods um again that got a lot of views because i think that had almost been a victim of being of having overwhelming positive thoughts on it and people were looking for an opposing viewpoint but necessarily kind of highlighting why a game doesn't work for you is not about the negativity uh, in the industry. I think that, you know, it's it's very rare these days that we get through a week in board gaming without some form of crisis happening somewhere, without somebody, uh, you know, upsetting somebody or somebody said something. And, you know, some of it absolutely needs to be called out. It's not about doing that, but that becomes the focus. And what we don't celebrate enough within board gaming is all the positives that happen. You know, we have cons starting back up. And with all these cons starting back up, you know, people absolutely... If you're not comfortable in going, then please don't go and what have you. Um, But there are people who want to go and people who think it's okay for them to go. And therefore, let's not try to piss on their strawberries too much. Let's try and celebrate. Yeah, it's not for me this year, but for you, fine. Go and have a great time. And I hope you're safe through it. And I hope that this happens and that doesn't happen. We see, and, and that's it. I don't mind critiquing stuff, but I think there's an overwhelming and it is a an, an perfectly natural thing for everybody to focus on the negative, look at the next crisis that's happening. And we really should need to be celebrating. You mentioned diversity and we've come a long way in a, in a relatively short space of time. There's still a long journey to have on diversity in board games. But we should, instead of just calling out it not happening in games, we should also be celebrating those games where it does happen. I'd like to hear more noise about games where it does happen 
I'm not saying we quell the noise on games where it doesn't happen, but let's celebrate the ones where it does happen more. Yeah, that's why I, I, when it occurred to me, I you know was well, hey, let's let's talk talk about a couple. And it's interesting because when I do so, um, and well, Guildmaster, it's one of the one of the things that I, I praise very highly is the art and the cast of characters. I don't think I got a single comment about it. Right. Outside of, I, I think the publisher said, you know, thank you for noticing. We worked really hard on it. So it's something like that. Um, yeah. But nobody talks about it. But yes, I, I think you're. I think you're right. I mean, and I think in some ways, the more we can highlight the good, that is also a condemnation of the bad. Yeah. You know? Because if suddenly, you know, ten dungeon crawlers come across your table, and in nine of them you keep saying, "Oh my gosh, they nailed." the diversity and the representation and they've done all these things that is really the direction that we're trying to go. Yeah. And then you don't say it about one. You know. mm. Yeah. 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 You know, and- it, it's, it's like, it's like you're, you you come into the room, you're like, Oh my gosh, Michael Kelly. It's so good to see you. Oh, Don. Oh my gosh. I love what you do. Oh, I love you guys. Shut up and sit down. Okay. That's great. And you sit down and I'm also at the table. <laughs> Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're used to that now, obviously. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's every, true. everywhere. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so right, yeah, but, so so we, we we have we have ground our gears. Basically, we've been we've been whining, middle-aged, grumpy old men. Is is what we've done? Uh, fun, cathartic, but yeah. we actually do have a game that we're going to oh, talk about. I forgot we were going to do that. Yeah, okay. I, I know, right? And we're actually, we picked one that we're both pretty high on. And now, a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of getting set for your digital game night and finding out you just don't know how to work the program? You do everything you can think of. You struggle. You give it your best, yet, at the end of the day, it's just hopeless. You feel like you'll never be able to digitally game again. But don't worry. There is a solution. With the Sovereignty Digital Gaming Platform, it's no trouble at all to almost immediately get right into the game and play with all of your friends. No fuss, no muss, no figuring out what keys do what. Just pure fun. Play smarter. We get to start being positive now for the most part and that is hadrian's wall and for anybody who doesn't know hadrian's wall flip and write game where you have two pieces of paper in front of you with 57 million boxes on it and as you flip over your cards you're going to get resources resources in the form of, of different types of people you have your citizens you have soldiers you have servants you have there's another one, the yellows, whatever the yellow ones are. Yeah, artisans, maybe. I can't remember. maybe I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. So, so something like that. And you have stone, and you're going to be spending these to fill in bubbles. And as you fill in bubbles or boxes, it'll unlock stuff and give you more stuff. And then you use that stuff to keep buying stuff. And you play over the course of five, six, five, five years, six years, six years, six years. So six rounds. And as you go through, you'll be getting various uh, in-game scoring conditions that are true only for your specific uh, game that you're playing. And there's some in-game scoring conditions already on the board. And it's a high score wins kind of game. 
playable solo or in the box up to six players. But truth be told, if you have the components, there is absolutely zero reason you couldn't play it infinite number. Ad infinitum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's the game. Hit me, hit me with it. What do you think? You see, I think like most people, when you think about, when you look at the game of Hadrian's Wall and you see those two large pads laid out. And I mean, to be fair, you you were there at the wall when it was really built. So you understand. Of course I was, you know, being the age I am and from the vicinity, I am absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you look at these two pads that come out and they are daunting. You have two pads of eight million checkboxes each, and you think you have absolutely no way on God's green earth of understanding how this game is going to play. So you mean you're it in is, green hell? Which oh, you know. in green hell. Nice. Tied back to the game earlier. Yeah, you see? Yeah, I see what you did there. Um, however, when we talked about rule books earlier, I want to mention Adrian's Wall rule book. Uh, Adrian's, or Adrian's Wall rule book. It's a really good rule book literally walked through walked me through every column and every icon on those two pages and just walk you through it says right this does this and therefore it leads to that and within one read of the rule book going through this i knew how to play the game a little bit of referencing only a very little bit of referencing yeah. and then that's it and, and in reality you, you 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 made a couple of mistakes i'm sure you know it's a lot to yeah but, yeah but, but not because you yeah. didn't understand you just missed it yeah just missed it and exactly right and i think you know there's nothing wrong with me- <laughs> there's nothing wrong with making mistakes in games that's how i generally learn how a game is played properly i'll get it right maybe 70 80 90 percent time 90 uh, percent of the first play of the game probably same with adrian's wall but it's not a complex game it looks complex but it's not and i think what it really really does is it looks like a spreadsheet exercise but it's not a spreadsheet exercise it's a masterclass in a tight kind of flip and write, resource management, resource allocation. Uh, is it worker placement or is it action selection? Let's call it worker placement, this one. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, kind of worker placement. And it just works so well. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It's a 40-minute game, maybe, as a solo player, 30, 40-minute uh, game. Yeah, and, and, and after it, you've, and after you've played, played enough, like I, sometimes I play in 20 minutes. Yes, exactly. And that's why your scores are terrible. Yeah. Ah, excuse so. me. <laughs> I scored 86 points last time I played. Thank you very much. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So that is uh, the lowest. How did I do that? I just wrote 86. Cheated. On the pad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. So the the uh, the thing that really, I'm not huge into blank and write games in general. Mm. They just have never really excited me. Yep. There is even in Merchants Cove, one of the games I really like. It has a roll and write character in there and, right. and, I've, and i've played it several times and it's not my favorite character it's just not my style of thing yeah but what makes this one to me so much fun is i call it the perpetual motion machine is you just you're spending your resources and you're going up these different tracks and as you're going up the tracks it's giving you more resources that you get to keep spending and you have these great moments where you may look on the right side. Well, I could just spend one of my yellows right here and get this one thing, which will get me something in the game. Or I could spend this yellow on a totally different track on this side, which is going to get me a blue guy. And if I use the blue guy over here, that's going to get me a stone. Yeah. And if I use that stone up here, that's going to get me a purple guy. And if I use the purple yeah. guy up here, it's going to give me another stone. I can take that stone, put it back down here. It's just me another yellow guy, which now I can go put where I started. And, that's and it. I don't care who you are. That's fun. 
yeah, you you string those moves together and it does hit you like that. You suddenly you crack the code for that one move and you're suddenly doing, you know, your, your 14 different actions. You feel like Einstein. And that's the great thing. You know, somebody as stupid as me can feel like Einstein playing a game like Hadrian's Wall because suddenly I think, I'm just, how is this happening? And you just know you're linking everything together. And the more longer that you play in the game so as you're in your kind of second third and fourth year the more of the board is opening up for you because you've unlocked you know either further along the wall or certain specialities at the I don't know, the, in the entertainment district or you're fighting gladiators and it just gives you that that great feeling i think that's it is it looks like a spreadsheet but the amount of satisfaction that it, it grants you is great make no mistake it's a solitaire multiplayer game so even if you are playing it with others you're playing very much your own game but that means that everybody that you're playing with is going to be having this same great experience at least once in every game you're like i'm a genius i am an actual genius and, and, and i like what you said it make, makes you feel smart because every now and then i play games where i'm like man i feel dumb <laughs> yeah like don't make me feel like reality you know, yeah, in <laughs> uh, that 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 does happen sometimes, but it it doesn't happen in this one. And I'm glad you mentioned the the multiplayer solitaire because it absolutely is. There is a tiny bit of interaction. Yeah, know, a tiny bit of how you can use something from a player on your right and your left. A little bit, and you do at the end of each round. You do all look up because you all have the same barbarians. Um, the picks going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I assume you just, just Wales. Is that what's going on? Wales is invading. Is oh man, on? okay. Yeah, Wales would invade Scotland. Hey, man, your geography is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, look, <laughs> all right. Yeah, you, you're probably the type of person who's like, oh, you're from you're you're from America. Oh, do you know my friend in in Mississippi? No, uh, you do. I, I don't. You, you realize we could fit twelve of your UKs in California. You know. Um, but, uh, you know, so you do all kind of look at the same time and you yeah. kind of deal with that. And there is that kind of, there is a fun moment there as that's happening and you're having the barbarian cards invade. It's kind of around the table. People are like, yes, yes. And then someone's yeah. like, no, no, no. How can five come to the right side at once? Yeah. That one person who's like, I'm going to go right because right is right. And you're like, you're an idiot. And they just put, yeah. you know, and they're fine. So there, there is that moment, but it is multiplayer solitaire what it does do it on the negative side is the first few times you play it's a bizarrely silent table and i know you've only played solo okay but yeah but after you've played a few times you're able to start doing that you know because you know where stuff is and you're doing those actions yeah. you can have conversations you're you know having just talking about whatever and enjoying yourself while you're doing this every now and then you're like oh wait this is my moment this is my genius moment. Hold up, people! I gotta yeah, do yeah, this thing, yeah. and then, <laughs> then then you then you come back. Yeah, uh, you know. And, uh, have you noticed? Oh, have you noticed? Have you seen that they've just released the solo campaign for it as well, which I just think is fantastic. Because uh, if, if anything, that is my one complaint about the game is that because it, as you say, you can play it 20, 30 minutes. It sometimes feels like it's over too quickly. Like I'm building something up. So they just released online a solo campaign, which now allows you to play however many games you want on the trot and uh, and and see whether you succeed at that. Not giving it a crack yet, but I will do at some point definitely. Yeah, it's um sitting in my uh, to print dummy uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, files where it's sitting. It's uh yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very it's very clever. And, and uh, the solo campaign, from what I've looked at, it's a 
if you accomplish certain things, then you start the next game with yeah something another. That's game. right. Um, it's also a bizarrely portable game, and you yeah. wouldn't. Think but if, I mean, you do have to kind of put in a little work. So I, I laminated the sheets. And when I just went on a, a trip, I didn't take that whole box. No. I just took some of the meeples and stuff and the cards and yep. a dry erase marker. And I just put them in a tiny bag. and was able to, tr to travel with it. And, and, and yeah. But on the flip side of it, it's an expensive game for in theory, what you're getting, because you're paying for a lot of pads of paper, which, hey, I'm all for. I think it's a $45 game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're getting two decks of cards. I don't know, 40 few meeples. Few meeples, yeah. And that's pretty much it. And then the rest of it's just paper. So paper and board, a little bit of board. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit pricey, but I don't know, for me, I, I mean, hey, 40 bucks is 40 I bucks. Think but still. So I, th I think you look at that and then this is where the value of the game is not necessarily what you're getting in terms of components. It's, it's what went in to make that game. Mm -hmm. And that has obviously had a lot of thought, a lot of balancing, a lot of money's been spent in terms of playtesting, making sure that everything pans out as it should. All that has got to be recouped from somewhere. Now, that really works because the game is bloody good. Yeah, and it absolutely works. I don't feel cheated by the game in any way, shape or form. You know, it feels like, you know, uh, like some games and certainly when you play them solo, uh, you you feel like the <laughs> the solo is a bit of a cheat. It's not necessarily the same in, in Hadrian's Wall because you're not, you're, you're kind of playing against the game itself. So I, I, I can understand why it's, although it's not an expensive game, I can understand why it's slightly more expensive than you think it would be given the components you get because of the amount of thought and development that went into getting it to that phase. So I don't begrudge them that at all. No. It's also a dangerously heavy box. Yeah, those pads it's, weigh a like, lot. It's bizarrely yeah. heavy. It's, yeah. it's, it's got, I don't know, 200 pages of each of these two big old pads. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it, it sounds like, I mean, we knew this going in, but we're both, pretty high on it and i'm also gonna throw out i've played this game over zoom with with other yep. folks okay just you know it, it works it, yeah, yeah it, it takes a little bit of setup to you know make sure you have it set up to where you can kind of see what the card is but yep. it, it, it plays perfectly well over zoom it's portable i i don't know i'm a big fan of it. i think everyone out there that's if you don't if you've never played a roll and write game or whatever and write game this is this is the one to get it's just yeah and don't be put off. It's nowhere near as daunting as it actually looks. It's actually a pretty straightforward game to play. And the rule book is fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, I highly recommend uh, don't look at a picture of the board before you buy it. No, <laughs> no, definitely just, not. No, no it just, you look at it, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just uh, like when I sat it down to, to, for my wife to play, because I knew she'd like it. She really does. And she looked at it and she was like, what is this? <laughs> it's a spreadsheet i was like no it'll be fine it'll be fine i was talking to a, a friend about it the other day who likes it a lot too and he's like yeah it's like a old accounting spreadsheet i'm playing old accounting like, oh. <laughs> it can be fun for people yeah. yeah no it is a great game well designed nice and thematic um and the playtime it's just not a game that outstays its welcome i really 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 liked hadrian's wall in fact i think after we finish this tonight my wife's got some friends around. I may have a game of Adrian's Wall tonight. You could take it out and introduce it to all of them and play a competitive game. No. 
my wife's got her friends around tonight. I'm just, no, I'm going to be a miserable solo gamer and be in a room on my own. Drinking your Budweiser? Still here, still room temperature. Yeah, still unopened. Come on. (laughs) Now, yeah, now. Speaking of overstaying our welcome, it's possible that we have overstayed our welcome on this. (gasps) You're king of segues. I know, right? I, I, I am I am the Paul Blart of board game review. Well, for, for anybody who doesn't get that reference, you, you don't need to. It's not a good movie. Uh, no. But so leave us with your words of gaming wisdom. And they can't be the same ones as last time. I, I can't remember what I said last time. So it can't you, be you that can't wise, remember basically. what you said an hour ago. <laughs> This is true. I I do think that I'm going to harken back to what we were saying earlier is it's an inherent human trait for us all to be slightly negative, but let's try to focus on the massive amount of positivity that we get out of this hobby. I do personally, even as a solo player predominantly, uh, but the interaction with the community, the interaction with publishers, uh, just speaking to people and knowing that people are getting a massive sense of enjoyment out of these games. Let's try and focus on that more less on the things that um, are the crises that happen, etc. And I think we'll start because it's been a pretty shitty year for everybody, you know, pretty crappy 18 months or so. And, you know, everything's starting to open up now. Games are starting to move forward. Yes, they're a little bit expensive because of shipping, etc. Cons are starting to happen. Um, let's start to celebrate the positivity as we move forward. I'd like to see at least one month of board game positivity. With the exception of the last hour that we just talked about all the stuff that bugs us. You've got to get it off your chest somehow yeah and, and then you know, move on to the focus yeah. and that's true so fun, don't you know don't don't be silent about the things that bug you but try to balance them with Ex- good stuff too yeah go, exactly go play right. something fun yeah. all right everybody yeah. you can find a link to uh not board gaming down in the description of the youtube video or the uh podcast however you're consuming this content It'll be down there. Make sure you subscribe if you are the type to do that kind of thing. Also, make sure you leave a couple of slightly controversial comments and you'll get a full-on, very British, only half comprehensible rant back at you. It's always very fun. Sometimes you, sometimes I have to find, I have to ask, like, what does this even mean? But make sure you go for that. Uh, as always, everybody, thank you. If you enjoyed this video, please like, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much for watching. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. All right, we should probably actually start. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you got It's embarrassing for you. I'm glad you got that. Let me go grab mine. It's just finished brewing. <laughs> Although I'm British, I don't drink tea. I can't stand the stuff. Well, it's good because you have the... Uh, Beer that though I'm American, I can't stand that stuff. <laughs> it's warm. It's been in my room for a while. It's warm. Well, Although, I, it, it, I'm looking forward to you drinking it. Yeah, I'm not. Um, so let's talk about Adrian's wall. Wow. That's, I mean, that's 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 covering all different levels of offense, right there, right isn't now, it? No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell me. Let's talk about Adrian's wall and your best American. Let's. Or your worst American. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about Hadrian's Wall, man. Wow, that's like a mix of John Wayne and uh, uh, Sean Penn from uh, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs>
Oh, dude, let's talk about Hadrian's Wall, man. I can do a little uh, uh, Bert from Mary Poppins. Hello, Governor. <laughs> peep, peep, cheerio. What? what? <laughs> let's play goddamn Hadrian's Wall, I'm telling you. <laughs>